White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at, at Ecknerwall23, Chris Tannehill, at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox. If you want to leave us a voicemail, it's 312-566-8727, 312-566-8727. 8727 or locked on socks at gmail.com for email and go to YouTube and subscribe to our locked on socks channel. Without any further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Herb. It's episode 248, and we are brought to you today by Locked on MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully every day on Locked on MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check ins. From the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories, Lockdown MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're here to recap the White Sox taking three of four from the Tigers doing what they supposed to do. Good team beating up on a bad team, but man, Detroit starting pitching. Those, those young kids they got there in Mize. Scooble looked as good as, as we've ever seen him. It just and Turnbull even looked good until he got hurt a little bit there. But they're they're rolling out some good youngsters there. I don't know what the future of that franchise holds because they, they're not really they've got Torgelson obviously, but as far as developing the bats, they're gonna have to accelerate that process by the time these pitchers are already we we've seen the Sox sort of do this thing where you build with pitching and then your offense is not quite good enough but it just uh it, that that's my big takeaway as far as the Tigers go uh, this weekend but we're gonna break down this series and a lot of interesting things happened and you know you should be pretty happy taking three of four I certainly am it's hard to take uh, it's hard to sweep four games in a, in a set unless you're the Baltimore Orioles but Sox improved to 36 and 23 with their victory yesterday and their four games up on the tribe, things looking pretty good, but uh, let's backtrack a little bit, shall we? So this Friday night game, I told myself, I said, self, <laughs> I'm going to take a little break from the old White Sox on Friday. I watched about the first half of the game, and the Sox got out to a 6-2 to lead, and it was around 10 o'clock, and I had a long day. And I was like, you know what? Thank you, White Sox, for having this nice, comfortable lead against the Tigers. And uh, things were looking mm. promising. You know, it, it was just uh, one of those days. You know, it was uh, really, really well pitched early on by uh, Dallas Keuchel. He was the Dallas Keuchel of old. Uh, going six innings, five hits, two runs. Only one of them was earned, one walk, three strikeouts. Was, this is the Dallas Keuchel that you want. And the offense, even Nick Madrigal hit a home run. I was like, oh, we got this one, baby. Let me just let me just get some beauty rest here. And I even said in, in my brain as I shut off my phone, uh, because now that the Sox have a pretty you know decent lead and they're they're, they're thirteen games over five hundred, I can not 
stress watch as it was earlier on in the season. Remember where they were just sort of back and forth, one game up, one game down, then you're back to 500, and every game seemed like it was the 60-game season of last year. So it was nice to be able to sit back, relax, and lay down in bed and not have to worry about that Sox game. Then I go on my Twitter the next morning, Herb, and uh, I see a tweet, uh, you know, in chronological order as I'm reading this, one is like, you know, who is said on the bullpen that the Sox were going to go 98-0? and And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I checked Twitter before I checked the box score. So then I see the next one is from our, our former coworker, Brandon Orlovsky, who uh, asked, uh, you know, someone queue up the You're Mean video. And I was like, what in the hell happened in this game? Only to find out, Herb, that the bullpen really came in and shoit the bed in that game Friday night. Did you stick with that whole thing on Friday? I did. I did. Uh, I had nothing else to do. Was up. And was very surprised that Tony took out Keiko after six innings. I think it was like 85 pitches or 80 pitches. It was something very low. Yeah. Tony says that he had sold some hard contact in the late innings of Dallas's outing. Whatever, whatever. Well, you remember, but, I like I, I was watching our guy Chris Castellani's recap video just to see in, uh, his perspective on it. And he raised the same thing, like why pull Keiko? But remember, Herb, it was just earlier this week when Rick Hahn, or last week, I should say, when Rick Hahn met the media and was talking about holding guys back over the, over the course of the next few weeks or so in, you know, from the starting rotation in order to maximize efficiency later on in the year. So I think this was part of that plan. I, you know, Remember, if you see these guys look good and then you think they could go longer, the philosophy, I think generally speaking, and it would be a good philosophy, is the bullpen guys are solid. Like Stoney says, they will rust away before they wear away. So anytime you can get these guys in there when you have a good lead over the Tigers, then I think you should do that. So I think that's part of that thought process there. But uh, go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's the point. I wanted to say that you put a bullpen in with a seven-run – no, a five-run lead, you should be solid. You should be all good, especially a guy like Cody Hoyer. I thought, you know, he's not had a great year. But it's Detroit out there. Come on, man. It's Detroit. This it's is not, not Detroit. Hard. Yeah, actually, it is Detroit. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> you should be able to be throwing strikes and getting people out with what you have out there, even if it's not A-plus stuff. And Cody Hoyer was bad on Friday, and so was Evan Marshall for the most part. So, yeah, I disagree with the whole thing, but it turned out to be fine. But, yeah, that was a, a very, very frustrating game on Friday because – they kept on pitching to that one guy, and I was like, stop pitching to that one guy because he's great. Oh, and that one guy is Jonathan Scope. Well, yeah, there's him too, and there's also uh, uh, Eric Fisk. I mean, Eric Bench. <laughs> I mean, Eric Haas. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's it's not always about who you play, but when you play them. That ba- old baseball adage is so true. You know, Jonathan Scope is going to hit no matter when you play the Tigers, but Eric Haas not necessarily will, will be the case there. Uh, but so so Yasmani ties it, the most aesthetically pleasing thing on the team. Another he's he was red hot going into this series, and he gets the the bat drop from the left side, ties the game up in the seventh, and then they eventually get it to the ninth inning. Game's tied. They get a little rally going. And who comes up? I'm on a mission for dime pieces and sexy ladies. Allow me to introduce you to my See if twenty one thousand can activate the Urminator. A one out of Mercedes. He was 0 for his last 25, and nobody cares anymore. 9-8, your final. And if had we done a recap on Friday, we would have no doubt been here talking about 
oh, over 25, Gurmeen breaks out of it. He feels good. You know, they t- take all that stuff and put it away. You could start fresh. And no doubt he's going to have a monster series against the Tigers. Well, mm. <laughs> not really the case there. I think he drew one walk this weekend. But, uh, you know, things not trending in the right direction for Gurmeen. But it certainly was great for him to come up there in, in that spot. But, uh, yeah, man, that was that was a shaky one. And we don't want to dwell too much on the, on the negative because that was the, the you know, the – not the lone blemish, but as far as like the most alarming things, like sometimes that happens in baseball and they found a way to win. And that's ultimately what's the most important. Exactly. And that was, I really, when Detroit took the lead at, what was it? Eight to seven. I was like, this is not good, but I had faith that in the two innings that the White Sox had left to bat, they're going to be fine. They're going to find a way to get to Detroit's bullpen, which has not been great this whole year long. So I was very confident that that was going to get done. I didn't know what the style or fashion was going to get done, but it was awesome to see your get the walk off hit and his teammates generally care for him and say, you know, pretty much like, wow, what a, a relief, what a uh, weight off his shoulders and great for this man in particular to get that walk off hit. It feels good. Absolutely. So then we move on to Saturday, and the Sox rolled out their City Connect jerseys, and we might as well talk about it here. Um, what'd you think? You know, we hadn't talked about these jerseys. What did, what did you think when you first saw them get rolled out um, early last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was? What, what did you think of them then compared to what you thought of them when they actually took the field sport and those things? I thought initially when they came out, I was like, all right, I'm all for them. They look great. They represent the same style that the White Sox rock now uh, with the black, but put a little pinstripe in there and the uh, old English uh, lettering on the south side. I was like, cool. I didn't like how some people wore their uniforms. I would have broken up all that black with a white belt like like some people did. I yes. don't know who was it. Danny Mendick. Yo, Mendick's always looking good. He is yeah. always looking great out there, unless he's bunting. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, all black was a little too tough. You know, most of the people did all black uniform and then accident with some white shoes on that was a a cool look but yeah i liked how the most of the players looked they just you know little gripes and great groans right there with the white belt breaking up the, the, all that blackness <laughs> yeah and it's not even after labor day so you can do that um lucas though lucas had the black pinstripe shoes which mm-hmm. i thought was interesting and uh, what's funny his um Liam Hendricks was on MLB Network over the weekend on Friday afternoon. I don't know if you were watching it. We were watching it in the control room at the Score Studios, and they were talking about the new jersey, and he was like, he couldn't, he couldn't wear it because he's an Adidas guy. Like, that's why you didn't see him pose with it in any of the promotional shots. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I thought they popped on television. Like, I, I, I liked them. I thought they were solid when they first rolled them out. You know, some things aren't always made for me, and I and I appreciate that. I, you know, as a, I have a very very remedial graphic design history. Like, I do most of the graphics for this show. When you see it on social media, I used to design flyers back in the day for like hip hop parties and stuff. So I, I kind of know my way around Photoshop and design and aesthetics. So I have like a you know minor you know qualms with the jersey. Like I would have broken up South Side into two words. You know what I mean? Like instead of just one word, um, but. The, the pinstripe thing I wasn't feeling until I saw it on on TV, man. It really popped. Like, it, it looked almost – it reminded me of – it's very forward-thinking fashionably, but also – there's some nods there to to the to the past to, to White Sox history to Chicago baseball history. Like you look at those old uniforms from the early aughts, like the dark solid colors. Like you know the the jerseys almost look 
navy blue on TV with the white pinstripes, and it reminded me of like you know the hitless wonder teams, and it reminded me of Chicago American Giants a little bit with mm-hmm. the, the navy with the navy blue with the white pinstripes. Like you know that I thought that was really cool. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but uh, but I, I'm a fan. You know I don't think anyone has ever looked as good as a human entity as your mean Mercedes looked in that jersey with the chains and the and the shades and he just looked like he was full your mean mode coming after that walk off uh, victory on Friday but yeah man I thought it was a hit you just see the video grandstand had the line was wrapped all the way around yeah. the building um, and they were at Navy Pier the White Sox were selling the jerseys on Saturday and I just had that moment where I was like man this is going to be a White Sox town if they just finish the deal and they do some more winning like this could be a Sox town because because of stuff like that because the, the jerseys really resonated with people and that's that's a good move and I just like the fact that the Diamond Sox logo is back I don't know we, why we ever got rid of it why you would need to have the Sox logo on the Sox jersey like we get it you're the Sox like on the road jersey I should say we know you're the Sox you don't need to tell us again there's no reason to get rid of the diamond patch. It's one of the greatest things ever. And I'm not, you know, it's not hyperbolic ever in life. The diamond sock patch is amazing. Um, so we get to that game on Saturday, though. And whew, uh, Tariq Skubal was really good. And mm-hmm. the White Sox still, you know, against good pitching, will find a way to get a rally going. You know, they, they were able to keep it, you know, Lucas was able to keep it close enough. He just was not particularly effective on Saturday. You know, he was fine. People asked us on Twitter what we thought about it. He was fine. But when he missed in the zone, he left too many pitches over the plate, and uh, they knocked him around a little bit, the Tigers did. And Miguel Cabrera got one off him. And, you know, I think that's what you said on Twitter. That's going to happen on occasion. He's, what, seven homers away from 500? So that'll, that'll happen. Yep. But the interesting stuff here happened in this game in the sixth inning. Sox were down. What was it? Uh, four to one at that point, and you're thinking, okay, they got to make it happen here. And who comes in is old Derek Holland, old friend alert. Derek Holland comes in with a, with a CRA over nine. I love the way Jason Benetti phrased it. Holland is wonderful this time of year. <laughs> I thought that was a <laughs> sneaky good call by Jason, who is going to be announcing for the Olympics uh, this summer. But Sox get a little rally going. You've got Yasmani singles. Right to get on base, and then Andrew Vaughn doubles. Now you got something cooking here. And then Jake Lamb, hey, it's me. I'm Jake Lamb, and I'm and I'm getting an RBI double, a two run double, and it's, I'm making it four to three here. And oh, now we got something cooking. You think the the Tigers are going to make a move and go to the bullpen and bring in Funk Hauser? Like no, we got to have more of Derek Holland out here for that ass. Zach Collins draws a walk, mm-hmm. and and then we got problems, Herbie and. They decided to have Danny Mendick bunt. Mm. Now, Danny Mendick bunting is not exactly Leori Garcia. We don't have the sample size, really, for, for Danny Mendick. He hasn't been here uh, since 2013, so we don't know for sure that he can't bunt. But walk me through your thought process as this game was unfolding, and we were texting before, you know, as Derek Holland was coming in with his 9 ERA, basically saying, let's eat. And then the momentum seemed to just come to a screeching halt after that bunt, and Danny Menick was not able to convert there. Uh, so, Herb, I will ask you the same question that uh, Jason Benetti tends to ask uh, on occasion. Why are we bunting? Why are we bunting? It's a mystery. I don't think Tony understands that bunting there, any, even if he wants to bunt, and that's his philosophy, bunting there in particular costs you more the chance to score more runs than the other effect to score one run which you're down multiple runs you need all the runs you can get 
you have Derek Holland on the ropes two bunt there. This is why I have the problem. You're giving them an out, giving them one of your best things that you have going against going for you and out. They're like, oh, awesome. Do it. Our guy sucks <laughs> and he has to pitch to this guy. So thank you for ending his his night with giving him an out and giving him confidence that everything's right. Even if that happens to go right and everybody goes to second and third and the sacrifice works 100 percent like you want it to work. That is still giving up an out to a guy that is struggling mightily. And people say, well, what if he gets in double play? The process of him thinking about hitting the ball and he's not thinking about hitting into an out. He's not thinking about not uh, getting himself out and another runner. He's thinking about, I'm going to drive that guy in from second, maybe the guy in from first, and maybe myself. That's the process. I like that thought process. Tony's is, we're going to sacrifice one of our guys to get into scoring position for the other guys with less outs. If you look at the Tom Tango chart, it tells you you are more likely to score runs with a guy on first and no one out than a guy on second with one out. It's just more likely to score. And then it gives you more chances to score multiple runs when you don't sacrifice. So, yeah. So you mentioned that chart here. I have it here in front of me. And I, this is, uh, I should have this pinned up in my office here. Uh, the run expectancy chart. In that situation, like, it, you, you know, it's a flow chart for runs expected. The White Sox first and second with no outs. At that point, remember, and they already had two runners score in that inning before this. So they're, they're sitting there runners at first and second. With no outs, they have a uh, expected runs of nearly one and a half, one point four four, but then immediately drops when you have one out to zero point eight eight. So Tony deliberately chose to lower the run expectancy in that inning, and I just think you have the beauty of baseball is that you're not on a clock. You know, there, there's no timing here, but your most precious commodity is your outs that you have available to you, and you only get 27 of them in a game. And that has not changed about baseball, and that is the one deciding factor in games. You have 27 outs. Don't give any of them away. They're such a precious, rare commodity, especially when they're just the momentum of the game. Like, I don't – you could tell me if he was an analytics guy and he decided to, to not – you know, bunt because he knew the the run expectancy. He has a numbers informed decision. That's fine. But if he's on the other side of it, where he's going to use his gut, which is what he does most of the time, I'm just going to go with my gut and see what happens here. How could anyone watching that inning transpire be like, you know what? Screeching halt time. Let's give up a run here because there was no way Derek Holland was was getting anyone out. Like mm-hmm. there was just I'd never had that feeling that the White Sox were going to leave that inning without the lead or at least tie the ball game like once things start going you know what I mean like it just it's a baffling decision to me and uh you know let's just hear Tony explain it uh, very condescendingly to uh, James Fegan after the game what was the score at the time four to uh, three four three yeah there's a time on second base and they lead all and the go ahead run it first and if he bunts them over you got Anderson and 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 Madrigal I think that's the play that's the play, Herb. So we know nothing. Uh, the the legit Hall of Famer, he knows all. I'm legitimate. I'm a Hall of Famer. So we cannot question him. But, you know, I, I did kind of see his point there talking about who is coming up. Like, you normally would feel good with one out with those two guys uh, coming up there. But uh, this what happens sometimes, I think. 
you know, Tigers, like every, the weight was lifted off their shoulders, I think, in that moment because yes. they, I didn't think they saw any circumstance where they were going to get an out with Derek Holland, and all of a sudden they just have one gifted to them. So I just wasn't a fan. Uh, they lost that game, and I felt like there, there was no run scored after that for, for either team, and I just felt like that was a deciding factor in that game. And, you know, the Sox could have had all four this weekend. So uh, any last thoughts on that game before we move on to Sunday's brilliance? And Jason pointed this out. This year, Derek Holland versus the White Sox. And the first time he faced the White Sox this year on April 29th, faced four batters, three of them got hit, gave up four <laughs> earned runs, and he walked a guy. So White Sox reached every time that he pitched versus them in that first time. And then up until that bunt, the White Sox had, what, three, four more hits right there? Four more guys getting on base? So he faced five batters, three of them got hits two earned runs scored, and one walk. So we're giving a guy who sucks, who sucks versus your team specifically this year, a chance to get out and get the hold like he did in this game, even though his ERA was 54. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, F your Hall of Fame credentials. <laughs> Putting your team in a worse position to win the game is inexcusable. You keep on doing it. I need somebody... Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, to explain this to him. Somebody smarter than him, and I need him to listen because that is ridiculous. Derek Holland is garbage, and to let him off of the hook is bad. And it's one loss, and you're, you know, it's like, oh, don't matter, just didn't matter. I was like, they don't matter that much in wins and losses, but sometimes they sway and give you a little less chance to win a game. So, yes, Derek Holland should have been pummeled there and if 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 the worst thing would have happened like what happened to uh, Andrew Vaughn a triple play happens there I still am more equipped and more satisfied with that result than what happened in that game so because I think the process of hey I'm going for it and I'm hitting the ball hard and to triple me up I have to hit the ball really hard especially if you're Danny Mendick so yeah I think that he messed up there big time. We'll see this again. We'll see another chance where he has a chance to hit away. And maybe these questions from these reporters are putting a little thing in his head. It's like, you know what? Why do they question me? I thought that was standard. And that his answer right there kind of felt as such. He thinks that he did the right thing and just didn't work out. No, you did the wrong thing and it didn't work out. So you suck, Tony. So get better and smarter. And I hope somebody like the, the fairy godmother visits him at night and tells him, stop fucking up the White Sox. And sorry, Tegna. <laughs> you let it slip again. Um, just to cap this thing, I will say this. it's The, the mentality is not going to change. I, I think it's too late in the game for that. Um, but I, I will say if Danny Menick's up there again, at least he can say that he's – attempted this before and he should know that he shouldn't bunt it to the first base side with the first baseman charging in so maybe he'll be in a spot where he's comfortable he's like okay I, I knew how I messed up before I'm going to execute this time that's that's all you can hope for in that situation but I had much more faith in Danny Mendick lifting a fly ball you know likely to the opposite field and and moving the runners over that way so uh, we take a quick we'll take a quick time out here and the other side I'm going to find out how Herb celebrated Tony La Russa passing John McGraw next here on Locked on White Sox this episode of Locked 
Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our new friends at Lucy.co. Lucy is a nicotine company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. And finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Am I right? Lucy.co has been developed and researched for three years to be made for people, not Patience. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and even pomegranate. Lucy even has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. Plus, it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. Look, everyone has someone in their life who you want to get them away from cigarettes, and Lucy is the perfect introduction to do so. It's 2021. Get rid of cigarettes. Unplug the vape. Throw out your dip and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. And now the Lockdown MLB Network listeners have a great opportunity here. Go to lucy.co and use promo code LOCKDOWNMLB to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKDOWNMLB at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco tobacco nicotine is an addictive chemical lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on mlb get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts all right finally we let's get to it sunday 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 the Sox taking three out of four from the tigers the white Sox win print the banner line up the parade michigan avenue on the studs turkle bridge division street let's go Tony La Russa sat there tied with John McGraw for second most managerial wins of all time. And we begin where we always begin with the man on the mound, Herb. Dylan Cease, the tiger tamer in his career. Um, he has an absurd amount of success against the Tigers. He goes seven innings, five hits, no runs across, one walk, and 10 punch outs. And his earn run average on the year. 336. Just an awesome, awesome outing by Dylan Cease. For whatever reason, well, Tigers are a bad offense. So they, they do have some boppers in there, but overall, over the past few years, the Tigers' offense has not been good. But the stuff would play against any team. I don't know why he has success against Detroit, but he was damn good yesterday. Yeah, and we said on the first start, on the start of uh, June, where he gave up six earned to Cleveland, that that was the blip and that. We'll see what he does in his next start versus Detroit, and he ate. He did a great job, 10 strikeouts, only one walk. That's why I like to see the ratio of him just saying, F it, let me get it, get the job done right here. And then that first inning, I think he set the tone for himself. He ran into a little trouble, uh, letting the leadoff guy get on, and then proceeded to strike the next couple guys out. He has filthy, filthy stuff. And I think the the uh, bat, I think it was for Jamer Candelario, where he and Grandal were calling for fastballs, um, 97 up in the zone. And you could see Jamer could not catch up with these balls. Like he struck a, a swung right through one of them, swung through the second one. And I was surprised that they called like a curveball off-speed pitch for the third one. You just saw him flail at two of your fastballs and then somebody wised up and smartened up 
and told him throw that 97 again. And so he did. And all that Jamer did is pop it straight up. So it's smart of him to understand that sometimes these guys can't hit what you're throwing and you got to recognize how they're reacting to the pitches. And I think in that at bat, he understood like that was a dumb pitch by me to throw that off speed pitch when I'm speeding up his bat, when he I'm throwing that slider and he can't hit my 97. So I'm not going to give him any more favors. And Dylan Cease is learning how to pitch at the major league level. And if it's Detroit, which we have to face 19 times a year, or a tough team like the New York Yankees, I think that Dylan Cease is giving maximum effort out there. Sometimes the results are good, sometimes they're bad. But I can see the kid learning from his own mistakes and continuing on. Yeah, usually a good indicator is how you know effective the starting pitcher is against another team. As you look at uh, the the whiffs, you know swings and misses. How many did Dylan Cease get? And he, he got sixteen, which is good, but not great. But what surprised me about Dylan Cease is he just had Detroit totally off balance because you know he he was working with all four pitches, but he was able to to outguess the Tigers. And usually with Dylan Cease, like you know they're they're swinging and missing on, on the nasty breaking ball, but Yesterday, he was able to, to paint some corners, and he was able to freeze some hitters uh, with, with the breaking balls, uh, you know, outside the zone on the outer outer edge, and he really was just, you know, had them confused. So it tells me there that he's making adjustments not only, you know, from game to game, but from, you know, hitter to hitter, from batter to batter, inning to inning, and he's able to keep them off balance. Like, they, they, they never really looked comfortable against Dylan Cease at all yesterday, so I thought it was a really, really nice outing for him. And the Sox certainly needed it. Uh, offense not incredibly overwhelming as of late, but T.A. is starting to come back around again. He uh, had the two-run single in that one. Basically, that was all the Sox would need after Andrew Vaughn had himself an RBI single as well. Uh, but it's good to see T.A. back and hitting again. It's going to be a big part of the Sox success here, and we knew it wouldn't last long. But uh, also, Adam Engel returning to the lineup. and. Mm-hmm. Not only just to the lineup, but you know we didn't mention in Saturday's game, Billy Hamilton with that appeared to be strained oblique, and he's going to be on the IL, and it's just really bad luck for Billy Hamilton because you know he had been fun and he was he was performing, producing, and you know, but the reality is we're waiting for Adam Engel to come back. This team is better with Adam Engel out there, and he showed why once again when he robbed uh, another home run, <laughs> and it just it's it's really. You know he's got a true knack for for you know the, robbing the home run out there in center field, and it's just great to have his presence back out there. Great to see him, you know, happy and smiling and, and back in the mix. He was very he was very uh, itchy to get out there, and he's swinging at his first pitch that he saw this year uh, for a ground out, I believe it was. But it was good to see him out there. And Stoney was even talking about how maybe he's got to work with Luis Robert and how to rob those home runs out there in center. But uh, I feel much more comfortable. I don't know. Do you, you think we're going to see Billy Hamilton again here? What do you think? I think he's going to come back to the team because his speed and his glove is way too valuable to just be on the open market there. But yeah, uh, we do have a glut of outfielders uh, coming back. So it's great to see Adam Engel back and that catch is unbelievably great. Just the the twist and turns, the swirling winds to elevate that high, find the ball and it almost comes out of his glove. Just everything about it was a plus. Um, yeah, and he at the bat gives you a quality at bat, even though he went, I think, over two today. I think he might have walked or got hit by a pitch today. But I feel much better with him as the fourth outfielder slash platooning with Adam Engel or Adam Eaton. Um, and then maybe having 
a guy like Billy Hamilton as the the fast guy because I think they expand to 28 late in the year. So maybe you can escape with having Hamilton and also Lamb and also Larry Garcia on the team without having to sacrifice any of the rest of the roster spots. So while it's a tough injury and obliques are tough to get back from, especially a guy who's got some speed like uh, Billy Hamilton, uh, the core is very valuable to be having and using, but I don't think they will be DFA in him when he comes back off the aisle. He's too valuable. He's shown that he can use the bat a little bit, and the speed is deadly. Absolutely. And uh, so finishing off uh, Sunday's win was the bullpen. They go six up, six down, uh, a very solid outing uh, from the from the guys in the pen. And, you know, Liam Hendricks looks like the dude right now. Like he's pitching a lot, and he is better and better every time we see him out there. He's got his fig jam going, and uh, <laughs> it just—it's just—it's—it's it's awesome, man. And I—I I had my doubts. Like for a while, early on in the year, I was like, "Great, they—they they signed a, a closer to an expensive contract." When everyone knows you don't pay a closer, uh, and you know things were shaking in the early going, and his usage was a little you know, uh, obscure by Tony, but now like, you know, the Sox are getting leads and they're playing good baseball and he's out there and he's truly just the hammer to, to, to close it out at the end of the game. And it's good to see. Yeah. It's when he's in the game nowadays with a clean inning, yes. the other day was a little bit shaky, but he got the job done in that victory. But when he has a clean inning, I have no worries at all. When he's coming in for a save situation, let's do it. Um, he even when he does come in for a messy situation, I pretty much have some faith in him. Just the New York one was kind of weird. Like they go against Aaron Judge. That's really fucking hard to do. But otherwise, he's been in the game and that's why he's the May reliever of the month. He's been solid and no worries when somebody comes up, uh, even with a one run lead. I'm like, game's over. You guys got it. We'll take a quick time out and we'll preview the rest of the week and tomorrow's show here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Herb and I, we just ordered 36 new Built Bars for our workspace because we love to snack during our shows on the score and we don't want to have bad choices during the day. So we ha- we keep Built Bars in abundance at work. They're right there next to us in the control room. So let me ask you, Herb, what's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Which ones did we order? I already forgot. They're so delicious, though. I, well, I love the peanut butter brownie. That is one of my favorites. I think you ordered some salted caramel for us, which also I love that flavor. And thirdly, if you're going to order Built Bars for me, give me that cookies and cream, too. I'm on max yeah. all of them. I and, did. I got you some cookies and cream. I'm glad you like those. So yeah, we, oh, yeah, that's my stuff because you, it's under uh, it's under 200 calories for all of them. Like I think the cookies and cream is like 160 calories. And telling you, sitting on the board from a you know a beginning of a baseball game to the end, you're gonna have three to four hours of just not moving. It's a very convenient move just to reach over in the counter and grab a built bar and take you from lunch to dinner without having all these junk food and giving you great energy too it's awesome in the middle of a game just to sit there and eat a built bar real quick and they're delicious as hell absolutely they are and a little health and fitness update i am down 19 pounds now and i don't think I, I would have done awesome. it without built bar they've just been so clutch and they've pretty much eliminated my sweet tooth for the most part and whenever i do have those cravings i have these built bars right there with me 
and I've got, uh, I used to think I was cool and I was an influencer, but I think I figured out what Built Bar is doing. I don't know if you got this package, her, but they sent me Grasshopper Cookie, and it's a mm. new one that they're rolling out. I would expect you guys will see that soon at BuiltBar.com. It is those concrete mixers. It's one of my favorite uh, delicacies. And it's only 150 calories with 17 grams of protein, and it's delicious. I'm going to have one here right after the show as my little treat. So if you want to have some Built Bars for yourself, have healthy snack options in your life, go to BuiltBar.com. And if you go there, use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off of your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by BetOnline. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. There's so many things you could bet on each and every day at BetOnline.ag. It's got all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and even your UFC MMA action. Got a huge series with the Cardinals this week. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest news and odds, and you can sign up for bonuses and contest information. If you're someone who likes to play the Dow, you can bet on what the final digit of the Dow is going to be each and every day, okay? When I tell you they have everything, they have everything. I'm also looking at the hot dog eating contest this year, Joey Chestnut. Right now, the over-under set at 74.5 hot dogs for Joey Chestnut for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, the hot dog eating contest for this year. You want to bet on the New York lottery? You can do that. You can bet on whether or not the number is going to be odd or even. I'm telling you, they've got all your betting needs covered here at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code, Locked on at Bet Online. That's promo code Locked On for your fifty percent welcome bonus. All right, Sox with an off day tonight. It's uh, as Bernstein would say, it's a talk to your wife night, or in your case, talk to your girlfriend night. Uh, but I, I think what we're gonna do, we're still gonna do a show here. We could use uh, a mailbag. So you know, uh, I would like to talk to you guys. It's been a while. We've been so busy, and we figured what a great opportunity for us to spend our Monday evening than to go through some of your guys' emails. I saw a couple trickle in, your voicemails as well. So tell the folks how they can get a hold of us for not only the email, but the voicemail. If you have any questions that you just want to ask us in the voicemail, it's not all just for, uh, you know, MFing Tony LaRusa in the moment. <laughs> That's, you know, where the voicemail is for more than just that. It's not reserved for Jake Lamb and Jake Lamb only. So if you want to get a hold of us here on the show, and we'll, we'll have that for you tomorrow, how can they do that? They can send it to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com or 312-566-8727. Did Liam Hendricks use it too? That's weird. I saw it the, this past weekend that Liam might have called in. 312-566-8727. If you want to call in like Jake Lamb or Liam Hendricks or Coach Tony. Um, <laughs> LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Dude, I think about it every time, the Coach Tony. Like when they were when, <laughs> when the Sox fans were giving him a standing ovation yesterday after he passed John McGraw. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what is going on here? I kept thinking, that's Coach Tony. We call him Coach Tony. Of course, that's what we call him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to some of those LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. And the voicemail is 
312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. And we'll roll some of those out, hopefully, uh, you know, tomorrow. And we'll have a, a mailbag episode. It's been a while since we did a Talk to Us Tuesday. So yep. in a, if we don't get enough there, then we'll just recap the Toronto series. And, uh, man, it's going to be a fun one with the Blue Jays coming into town, Herb. Yeah, definitely. I've already given away my tickets I have for tomorrow's game. I gave them to Mike Rankin. He's going to be going, the Aww. guy from Future Sox. Yeah, so he's going to be going to the game. The last game he went to, the only game he went to this year, was the Carlos Rodon no-hitter game. So I was like, you know what? Go to that game again because I can't. And there was a couple of times uh, coming up soon versus I think either the Blue Jays and Toronto that I have tickets that I might not use. The Thursday or the getaway game versus the Tampa Bay Rays, I definitely cannot use. So we'll be on Sox for details on how you win it. I think we gave them away to Melissa before. Now we're going to be trying to get a new listener out there who wants to go to that Thursday afternoon game versus the Tampa Bay Rays, who are going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be a great series. Absolutely. So uh, that's all I got. Uh, happy Monday, everyone. And we thank you guys, for, as always, for checking out the show. And uh, it's another fun weekend of baseball for the White Sox. This, this thing is fun, man. I'm enjoying this team and just having them be uh, a good baseball team and be my summer companion. And it's just, it's I, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I said this, I think, on Friday's show, but just try to enjoy it. You know, I know when when you have a polarizing loss like we had on Saturday, it kind of ruins things, and you know you have the Tony Larusa dark cloud that hangs over this whole thing. But this team is still pretty damn fun, man. They've had a lot of adversity thrown their way, and they're just meeting it at every step and and excelling every step of the way. And the best is yet to come. I'm just going to keep reminding you guys about this, and uh, I hope to hear some news. Maybe Rick Hahn's going to be on. You know, Len Caspcast rolling out today. And we're, we're going to share the love here, um, but they will take us over in short order as the most popular White Sox podcast, I have no doubt. They say no topic is off limits, um, so mm. we'll see what happens there. Um, no topic, Herb, none. Okay. They can talk about whatever they I, want. I, it's great to have them, and those guys, our professionals, are going to get the job done. But I'm sure there's some topics off limits. <laughs> well, they're going to have Rick Hahn and his Teflon suit on for their first, uh, their their inaugural episode. <laughs> not the first annual episode. I guess they're not doing the podcast yearly, so I don't think any of it really uh, relates. But yeah, Rick Hahn will be on their show. Uh, their their podcast is called Socks Degrees. So, uh, you know, love those guys. Len, Benetti, great guys, and they're going to be launching into – they're coming into our turf here, okay, with the White Sox podcast universe. They're on our block now. so All we, are welcome. Ab absolutely, and uh, this is merely nothing more than just uh, an effort to try to get uh, those guys on the show here at some point before the season ends. So, yeah, man, check them out, Sox Degrees, and we'll break down some of that Rick Hahn. If, if they even broach baseball at all – because it would not surprise me if they didn't. Um, then we'll we'll talk about those things. And, uh, yeah, man, it should be fun. So definitely check those guys out, as well as all the other White Sox podcasts. There's certainly lots of uh, great shows out there. Uh, and you guys know where they are. You know, you got Sox Machine, the 108 guys, uh, Sox on 35th, Future Sox. Who, you know, who am I missing? Sons here? of Hanarchy. So yeah, Sons of Hanarchy, those guys. Sox on tap. Absolutely. Sox in the basement. So, you know, even, you know, yeah. so there's, there's so many of them out there. Um, just off the top of my head there, so sorry if I left anyone out, but there's never been a better time to consume White Sox content with this fun team, and we thank you guys, as always, for listening to our show. My guy King Mac does a Sox thing, Bad Guy Radio, so yeah, go and check them all out, guys. Oh yeah, real quick, while we're giving love, our, our guy our guy Jay, from, Jay Westbrook from Haymarket, he tweeted out yesterday that they've got some merch for the Summer of 54 beer. 
So that's nice. Yeah, they're they're pretty dope. Like they've got again the, the summer '54 beer from Haymarket is commemorating the summer of '54 when Ernie Banks and Minnie Minoso uh, became friends and bonded uh, on uh, in Chicago as they were both uh, you know representing for the north north and south sides that season and doing it very well. Uh, of course, Ernie Banks on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Minnie Minoso should be in the Hall of Fame. But that beer is called Summer 54, and they've got some shirts out there, and you can go to our guy, uh, Jay Westbrook's Twitter, at Maja, M-A-J-A, League, L-E-E-G, and you can get uh, some merch there. Maybe he'll send us one of those shirts. Maybe I could just buy one. Um, but, yeah, man, so there's lots of love thrown around. Be sure to, to spread the, the, the love for the White Sox. So that's all I got. That's Chris Tannehill. At Chris Tannehill is the way you follow him on Twitter. Ecknerwall23 is where I'm at, Herb Lawrence, and Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. As we said before, 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a voice message or Locked On Socks at gmail.com. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode, this Monday edition of Locked On Socks.